Welcome to Blue Hour, a podcast for seekers and thinkers, creatives and dreamers. Here we'll be exploring the convergence of shadow and light, the mysteries of life, and the musings of the soul through psychology, art, and spirituality. I'm your host, Adina Arden Cooper. Please join me on this magical journey as we expand our consciousness and infuse our lives with more wonder, love, and fulfillment. In Love, God, and Neurons, memoir of a scientist who found himself by getting lost, Abhijit Nasker wrote, Time is basically an illusion created by the mind to aid in our sense of temporal presence in the vast ocean of space. Without the neurons to create a virtual perception of the past and the future based on all our experiences, there is no actual existence of the past and the future. All that there is, is the present. This made me think of sensory deprivation floating, which I discussed in episode 15. Time is like the water you're floating in. Without it, you have no reference for your experience. It's the thing that provides a sense of what's happening in the moment. Similarly, time is the substance that holds our memories, that gives us a reference point for our experiences. How we interpret those experiences is the work of the mind. When I do IFS therapy with clients, we address the fact that parts of self don't comprehend the passage of time. Parts tend to be frozen in a moment, unaware of changes that have occurred since the particular time they experience. Whether you do IFS therapy or not, you're likely to sense this as you age. It can be hard to fathom the passage of time as linear. Some experiences feel both distant and near all at once. You still recall certain experiences as though they're happening right now. Just listen to a song you heard a lot during a particular time in your life, and you'll be transported right back to that time. Like swimming through the sea, you can reach out and grasp, yet not grasp, the moment. When we're young, time seems to move so slowly, but when we get older, it starts whizzing by. For me, there was a period in adulthood when time wasn't a major concern. I was too busy living, taking care of responsibilities and managing each day. Then all of a sudden, my kids are grown and don't need me as much. My parents are older and sometimes need more. And the face looking back at me from the mirror is someone I don't quite recognize. I suppose this episode is mostly for listeners in middle age, my fellow Gen Xers, the angsty rebels turned soccer moms, the grungy skaters turned divorcees, the lazy wanderers turned tenured teachers. I can only really speak from my experience, but I think my sentiments are felt by many of my peers. Here we are, standing at the end of a long, but strangely short, road, looking around in confusion, thinking, what the fuck?
One day, we were munching on Fruit Loops in front of, front of the TV watching Saturday morning cartoons. Then, all of a sudden, we're scratching our heads, wondering where we set our readers as we try to decipher the tiny print on a bottle of over-the-counter sleep supplements. How did this happen? It's been almost 40 years since The Breakfast Club came out. 37 since Nirvana formed. 30 since Kurt Cobain died. The Gulf War? That was 34 years ago. Who remembers Crystal Pepsi or Zima, that weird clear beverage trend in the 90s? Those weird experiments happened over 30 years ago. It's been 28 years since Tupac was shot. Does this blow anyone else's mind? It sure does mine. I could go on for hours about how strange time feels, but what I want to focus on is the effect the passage of time and aging has on the ego. For years, you understand yourself to be a certain person. Then you're suddenly wondering, who am I? At a stage of life when you thought you already had it figured out. Our identities are wrapped up in our physical bodies, what we look like, how able our bodies are, and how we physically feel influence how we understand ourselves. In middle age, our physical bodies are changing rapidly, and it, be, it can be hard for the mind to catch up. There's a dissonance between how we feel on the inside and what we experience on the outside. Whose body am I in? What the hell is happening to my neck? Why do I have wrinkles on my knees for crying out loud? The transformation of our physical bodies as we age can incite an uncomfortable identity crisis. We spend our lives up until this point measuring our worth to a large degree by how we look. When we begin to look older, we're forced to reconfigure self-understanding. All females have been catcalled. It starts really young before we can even understand what the heck is happening. Most women find this annoying, uncomfortable, or even frightening. Then it stops. No more catcalls. No more suggestive glances when walking down the street. Strangely, the absence of something so unwelcome feels oddly disappointing. Who are we if we're not sexually desirable anymore? How do we measure our worth now? Puberty was weird and sometimes scary, but somehow we knew it was ushering us into something potentially better. Women in perimenopause are again faced with weird and scary things happening in their bodies, but this time it doesn't feel like it's leading to something better. Our understanding of ourselves, ego identification, is also tied to the roles we play, such as our positions at work and our interpersonal relationships. This initially begins with our family of origin, our relationships with parents and siblings. What happens to that understanding of self when parents pass away? How does identity shift when we're no longer someone's child. 
Parenthood is a huge identifier for many people. It helps many people find value and a sense of purpose in life. When kids grow up and become independent, it can be difficult to know what to do with yourself. Adjusting to a new role in your child's life is hard. Letting them go off to live their own lives may leave you feeling helpless or insignificant. When my son left for college, I was surprised by how little I'd heard about what that's like for parents. There seems to be this expectation to be proud and relieved. While those feelings are there, so is sorrow and fear, but no one really talks about that. No one talks about what happens to a marriage when the kids leave, or what happens to a parent's sense of self. We just gloss over emotions and carry on like there's not an internal tempest occurring. Then we look at our friends and acquaintances who are doing the same thing and presume they're just fine and wonder, what the hell is the matter with me? We also learn to measure our value by what we achieve or possess. Some people find comfort in these things by a certain point in life, having accumulated a degree of abundance. But even then, there's also often a feeling of emptiness that comes from knowing that the material stuff is actually sort of meaningless. And some people never make it to the level they once hoped. They never achieve financial security or accomplish certain life goals. This brings a reckoning and confrontation with a harsh truth. Time runs out, which can lead to feelings of grief and depression. A midlife crisis isn't buying an expensive sports car or having an affair with a much younger person. Those are coping mechanisms. The real crisis is the silence. We don't speak about the pain that drives those choices. We vocalize our derision and judgment of coping mechanisms like cars, affairs, or plastic surgery. People who take these measures become the brunt of jokes but we don't vocalize compassion for the pain that lies behind that coping. That is a real crisis. Which is why I'm talking about it now. If you're struggling with your own aging, if it feels scary and strange and sad, please know that you're not alone. Shame is diminished through vulnerable expression. When we stop hiding our feelings, we can release them. When we stop pretending to be okay when we're not, we find support. When we admit our imperfections, they start to seem a lot less significant. David Bowie said, Aging is an extraordinary process whereby you become the person you always should have been. Such a beautiful truth. It's about self-confidence. When we believe in ourselves and love ourselves, we know our own inherent worth. We don't need to gauge our worth by society's ridiculous standards. We don't need to impress anyone or to be liked to know our own value. Not everyone reaches that point where they become the person they always should have been. Some don't get there because they never acknowledge or separate from their egos. They continue to buy into the bullshit that emphasizes surface over depth and hierarchies 
over connections. Life is a gift, all parts of it. There is beauty in autumn and winter, as well as in spring and summer. It helps if you can embrace this. So you may be wondering how to do that. I believe it starts with acknowledging the struggle. Witness the workings of your ego. Notice how it's responding to getting older. Explore the feelings that arise. Identify what triggers those feelings. Maybe I've spoken for some of it already. Maybe there are other challenges you're experiencing that I neglected to mention. You're not wrong to feel what you feel, no matter what that is. If you're having trouble identifying specific emotions, notice what happens in your body when you bring awareness to your own aging. Notice where the emotion is physically felt and start there. Simply witness and acknowledge what's happening for you. Validate your experience. It makes sense that you're having it. None of this is easy. Also consider how you regard the elderly. What experiences have you had with older folks? If anything upsetting or traumatic comes up, it will help to sort through that more with counseling or by some other therapeutic method. Sadly, our individualistic society fails to appropriately honor elders. We treat older people like children, or worse, like useless burdens. We hide people away in nursing homes. We fetishize youth. All of this turns aging into a shameful experience. Of course, getting older feels scary and sad in a society that disrespects and discards you once you reach a certain age. If we're ever to rise above this, we need to stop masking and hiding aging. We need to stop regarding it as something to pity and fear. We need to recognize elders as leaders and wisdom keepers. It helps to cultivate intergenerational relationships. Getting to know the stories and experiences of people with many years behind them helps you see their humanity. We can do this for ourselves and also for younger generations. I don't think it's enough to simply spend time with people of various ages. I believe we need to spend that time deeply connecting, honestly expressing thoughts and feelings, sharing a myriad of emotions. We have big brothers, big sisters, and foster grandparent programs to provide mentorship for youth. Wouldn't it be nice for mentorship to be offered for adults as well? Many of us don't have close relationships with our parents, and it can be hard to connect with people from other generations. Sure, we can volunteer at nursing homes or something like that, but it would be good to build relationships that are rooted in connection rather than acts of service. Does that make sense? Maybe something like this already exists. If so, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it. Or maybe you're listening to this and feeling inspired to create some sort of non-religious community opportunities for multiple generations to commune. If so, I encourage you to act on that. 
As someone who's aging, it occurs to me that in order to attract respect and reverent care in old age, I need to be someone who's earned it. Getting old doesn't automatically make you wise. If we're not doing our emotional healing work now, we're not likely to evolve as we age. I believe it helps to show up in our lives now in a way that reflects this inner wise elder. Start communing and connecting with that energy. When something stressful occurs in your life, turn your attention inward. Invoke your inner wise one and ask for guidance. Imagine what they would tell you to do and then do it. I sometimes get nostalgic especially for the 90s, I guess because that was the decade when I started to really become the person I wanted to be. It was the first time I felt autonomy, freedom, and joy. Sometimes the nostalgia turns into sadness. Grief, really. Sadness over the loss of people, places, energies. But mostly for the loss of my younger self. When we're young, we're blessed with possibilities, new experiences, ignorance, better metabolisms, and smooth skin, but we lack confidence, wisdom, calm, clarity. I'm not sure I would trade what I've found with age to return to a past that honestly has been idealized. 22-year-old me was riddled with confusion, insecurity, and unresolved trauma. Honestly, I don't want to be her again. Which brings me to a quote by writer Finley Peter Dunn. The past always looks better than it was. It's only pleasant because it isn't here. Hmm. Food for thought. Curious to know um, how that lands for people. Is there a period of time that you miss... Would you trade where you are now to get back to that time? Reckoning with aging and the passage of time asks for honest and compassionate witnessing of the fear and grief. It asks for cultivating a respect for elders and envisioning a more optimistic or empowered elder self. It asks to grieve and release the past so you can live more fully in the present. It asks you to be someone worthy of dignity and respect at any age. I'm not yet familiar with many books or resources to support the process of aging joyfully, but I can recommend the book The Dangerous Old Woman by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Estes posits that, quote, we are each born with two forces that give us every lens we need to see who we really are the wild and ever-young force of imagination that contains intuition and instinct, and the wise elder force of knowledge that holds boundaries and carries the heart of the visionary. Through captivating stories, Dr. Estes illustrates why this twofold way of being old while young and young while old is the secret to holding and replenishing the center thus living wildly and wisely and sold amidst life's travails and triumphs. This really speaks to the strange overlapping of time and experiences that I referenced at the beginning of this episode. 
I know I'm going to make it my objective to stay young at heart, even as I grow and expand my wisdom and uh, even as I age. Anyway, I will put a link to this book in the show notes for anyone who's interested. So, my fellow Gen Xers, when have we ever done what's expected of us? Let's bring that contrary spirit to aging and not turn into our parents. Stay young at heart, stay sexy, and keep on fighting the powers that be. Let's show them how to age spectacularly. This episode is dedicated to those who didn't make it long enough to grow old with us. Sadly, I think most of us know someone who passed far too soon. So I'd like to just give a shout out to them. They may be gone, but they certainly are not forgotten. And with that, I'll send you all off, wishing you lots of love. Be well. Thank you for listening to Blue Hour. To find out more about me, Adina Arden Cooper, and my work, visit my website at firebirdcreative.me. You can also follow me on Instagram at fire.bird.creative. If you liked this episode, please share it. And if you like this podcast, please review and subscribe. Join me for the next episode. Until then, I'll leave you with the words of Rumi, famed 13th century Persian poet, scholar, and mystic. Wherever you are, and whatever you do, be in love.